that God for me, for him, or is he coming to go? I never knew you. So we went to us in the New Year. My friend, Omar, how many of us have broken or fallen short of our resolution uh, since the New Year and this new decade has started? We won't be judged whether or not we met or felt we knew or fallen short of these resolutions. However, we will be judged on whether or not we are trying to confess with our minds, believe in our hearts, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And we live according to God's example. Jesus Christ is Son. I can't afford to wait until uh, I find out, wait until I'm to find out if God knows who I am, can you? Lord, thank you for the grace that you give us today. Open our hearts and minds so that we may be able to take in the message that you prepared for us today. Help us to be more self-aware and show humility in our daily walk and our actions that you can get us to stand and make a decision to follow through in your great commission. Please forgive us for any sins, thought, and action that these words and thoughts that we have through you. Lord, my prayer is to see protection and the leadership of the world, country, uh, local local uh, leadership and church leadership. For humanity, Lord, remove the racial division so folks can operate from a place of love and see the best in one another. For the form of domestic tragedy, that light always overshadows or outshines darkness. For our tangible, for the Benza family, as they look for you, Lord, for your strength and lean on you for the difficult times. Help us to lead you differently when we enter this building, so that our light shines and others may notice the Jesus love. Amen. Good morning. My name is Walter Weeks, and I'm a child of God who believes that Jesus Christ is the epitome of true humility. We stay on our loving cross, died, was buried, and rose on the third day. I believe in the Holy Trinity. I am a sinner who seeks God daily for His grace and mercy, even when I don't deserve it. I am a nobody, and I tell everybody about somebody who can save somebody. I thank the blessing and I thank God that I'm here to fellowship with you today. God put it on Pastor Jim's work and I want you to fellowship with you and my heart was full yesterday and was full earlier this morning and continues to be full in this moment. I would be remiss if I didn't thank Pastor and Mr. Jim's for asking me to pray about sharing this message and humility, what true humility means. It can be the difference between eternal life and eternal damnation for each of us. I'm one of 13 children in the football league, born in Charlie and Jenny Reed, who are both deceased. Uh, we are born and raised two hours and 45 minutes away from Michigan and Indiana, Portland, Indiana. Married to a beautiful lady over there, Simona. Uh, three of our children are here, three of our four children, we are Virginia, Timothy, and four years with the, uh, with the twins. Uh, our fourth child, our son between Walter and Timothy, uh, his name is Jacoby. Jacoby lived 26 hours before he transitioned to be with the world. Kicking, screaming, and all that, and invited our pastor to the hospital and prayed over him, and uh, he's fine. He had greater work, or he had, he had a parent, he had a father who needed him more than he had to be here. We moved to Michigan in 2004 with the prayer of faith. Went on, went, went to no family. I support us to brothers and sisters in Christ and, and families in the school that we worked at. 
program that we work in, we all have taken us in, and we've taken them in, and they are part of our family as much as we are part of their family. That's a good one, but I'll give it a message. I'll share with you today, and I promise I'll just share with you. The series uh, began yesterday called it Unselfie. This is an important topic. Two uh, humility. Being self-aware and not self-obsessed. Being self-aware and not self-obsessed. Kids learn early what they see in, in the adults that are around them. So if they learn to worry about themselves and focus on themselves, that's what they do. Let's dig into this topic. Why is it important? It's a great question. Simply put, this topic is important because authentic or true humility helps us to get back to the reason why God made us, why we are created. It is important that we aspire to have a natural propitiation for obeying the word manifested in this book, the Bible. God's reason for creating us is to go out and make disciples. Let's look to Romans 12 3. If you are able to stand, and you are able to read, you are wrong, or you may listen to all of these, it's cool. Romans 12 3. For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. You may be seated. Today we're all fighting against tradition, societal judgment, most importantly, experience the social media. Everyone wants to take a selfie. Everyone wants to be in an election. Um, Facebook, Instagram, you have uh, LinkedIn. There's, a lot, there's others that uh, some of the younger folks know about uh, that we may not Twitter. All of these social media outlets are taking the attention of our youth and some of our adults. Ephesians 6 reminds us that that's happening. You're forgetting that we're fighting against the rulers and authorities and the powers of the world of darkness. Some of the manifested in these social media outlets. We're fighting against spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world. It takes true humility to step forward and make a decision to serve a good man. I just think about how many of us make decisions and have gone to our home for specific things in specific situations. Do you ever wonder how much time is spent? Or have you ever thought about how much time is spent making decisions to serve a good man? Making decisions to talk to someone at work, to talk to someone in the store, someone in the store, to talk to a family member at a family event about who Jesus is. And the importance of having a relationship with him. Hours and hours are spent on social media and streaming TV shows, Netflix and chilling, uh, binge watching. How many hours are spent learning the Bible? How many hours are spent talking about Jesus Christ? We live in a culture where spending time on the Bible and learning and growing takes a back seat to everything else that's going on in the world. You see people taking and engaging and taking selfies. It's all about us. Just think to yourself, when did you take an unselfy approach to life by putting God on display? And I'm not talking about pancakes. 
If you go back and start the office, I'm talking about making a decision based on not work, based on learning about God telling us whether or not He knows us. I'm talking about spending time on in God's way, spending time caring about who God is and why and trying to have a relationship with His Son and not being obsessed with our God, our home, our color, the world. God directed for us our temple, according to Matthew 28, 18, when Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. This next two words of all nations is the most important two things. Not just go and make disciples in your community, in your neighborhood, at your school, at your job, even in your, your, your church. But go and make disciples of all nations. Everywhere. When you share with one person, that person shares with the next person, that person shares with the next person, that person shares with the next person. We're making this, we are making disciples of all nations. So we share with more than just the people in our inner circle. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And truly, I'm with you always to the very end. How many of us are self aware enough to put aside our own desires and our own plans to take up God's desires? In Second Corinthians 13, 5, Paul tells us, and this is one of the many accountability reminders, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do not realize that Christ Jesus, do, excuse me, do, do you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? I played organized sports since nine years old. I really started when I was seven or eight, because I was walking and, and engaged a little bit with nothing, uh, not serious. Football, basketball, track. Um, I fell in love with football. Um, one thing that I learned playing organized sports is if you can't come to the game, you can't, it can't, it can't be game day, and you might plan, you might have a goal, you might be determined. Somehow, some shape or fashion. Because if you do go to the game, there will be the state of sport. You go to the game without working out, without having a plan in place, without having a goal in mind, without being determined. Nine, nine times out of ten, you're going to lose. Your opponent is going to win. I'm going to keep confessing. And I said this earlier, I said this yesterday, 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 but I've been in Michigan, we've been in Michigan for 15 years, and we've not had the desire to make a conversion to the United States. I wish him well, but just not in our time. Today I'm bothered up with a lot of excitement because I'm a chief fan. I've been a chief fan for 30 years. It was 1990 when an 11-year-old undefeated little league defensive game started following the Chiefs because this giant of a man, this jolly giant, they, they rushed off of the end for Kansas City Chiefs or for the uh, University of Alabama, was drafted to the Kansas City Chiefs. And since then, I've followed the Chiefs through their heels and through their mountains and their valleys. Um, but it seems like because the, the first two uh, playoff games that they played in this year, they just showed up. 
coming from behind and running down. I submit to you, they had a plan. The coaches, their the entire staff had a goal. Uh, they, 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 they were determined. And they were playing on the Super Bowl Sunday. And it's taken them 60 years to get there, but I don't even want them to play. The same can be for our, our Christian faith, our Christian life. We're in a spirit, we're in spiritual warfare. But unlike most of us, unlike this game, we don't know who we're going to win this game. But in our Christian life, we've already won. We just sometimes lose sight of that because life happens. Jesus has already dealt with the sense of blood. However, we must play this thing called life out until we take our final breath to see if we follow those marks he doesn't want us to wait until we take that final breath or wait until we are in front of God himself for him to just tell us he doesn't know who we are. We didn't do what he was expecting of us to do. We decided to live our lives and not worry about others, not worry about sharing the gospel with someone else. We hid it in our heart, but we didn't open that up and share it with anybody else. Have you ever noticed in the seasons of our there's no armor for your back, the back of your body. Everything that you start to talk about in Ephesians 6, you talk about the armor for your front, the armor for your head, and the armor for your feet. Talk about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, shield of faith. Your feet will be fitted with the gospel of peace and the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. You have to be on guard, facing this world so that we are protected. Pretending there is no battle and turning around just leaves us exposed, which is what the devil wants. What part of the armor of God do you struggle to put on? Do you trust that Jesus has already dealt that victory blow? Paul loves reminding us when he does so and continues to do so in Philippians 3, 5 through 11 about what it means to be Christ-like. In your lives, you must think and act like Jesus Christ. It's not an easy thing to do. Christ himself was like God in everything. He was equal to God. But he did not think that being equal to God was something to be held on to. So much that he gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. He was born a man and became like a servant. And when he was living as a man, he humbled himself and was fully obedient to God. He obeyed even when he caused his death. So God raised Christ to be the highest place, to the highest place, and his name to be greater than any other name, and he wants us all to bow down to Jesus. Everyone, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Everyone will say Jesus Christ is Lord and bring glory to God the Father. God is coming home. Will he be satisfied with how we are living? Or dissatisfied? Or hurt? that he gave his son for us that we may live for him. And we're not doing so because we live for the world. I told a story of a married woman who spent a good portion of her time raising her children at home uh, as a single mom. Because dad always worked. He worked late. He traveled a lot. Um, he was always out. The mom um, struggled with uh, getting kids to behave and were disobedient, not following the rules, not listening, time out wasn't working, spanking wasn't working. Uh, when those things didn't work, mom would use six words, her phrase, her awesome phrase, 
to get their kids to behave back in there. Some of you may know those six words. Some of you may have used those six words. Some of you may have used those, may have had those six words used uh, for you. Mom will tell you, wait till your father gets home. Those six words are important. Those six words are more important for the children than they are for the children worry about them. Those six words, the first six words that we use our children, they be wrong, so they should be. And that my wife might have to use those six words. But those six words are important because there's another authority, there's a greater authority. Not even take any power and authority away from mine, but there's a greater authority for children to answer to if they're not listening to mine's voice of wisdom. Not to admit, as a child, my mom didn't have to use those words against it for me, and I can't take the same for my younger siblings. My older siblings, though, I learned a lot of what not to do, so I didn't have to worry about those words being used. My dad was one who didn't care about these THS or CTS or Call who you want to call. They're not listening. If you want to listen, maybe my older brother, if they want to listen, they're going to get whatever they deserve when he gets home. And so I use that to remind us that we're here, we're listening. We come to church on Sunday, so we come to church on Wednesday. Hopefully, we're here on Tuesday for Alpha. And we hear all the messages, we hear everything that's being said from the pulpit. And sometimes we forget it in London. But we forget it that following that. So maybe we don't. Maybe someone else does. But we need to remember, we need to be reminded that God's coming home. Our Father is coming back. Do we really want to wait till the last moment to hear from Him that you didn't listen? I know who you are. I see you. Our daddy is coming home. Many daddy, don't care about the charities that we help, the number of the benefits that we receive, the charities we obtain, the award we collected, all the degrees, the, uh, the neighborhoods we live in, the cars that we are driving, programs that we donated to. We don't care about what neighborhood we are living in currently. We don't care about what's going on The only thing that would matter to our father is this, the fact that we listen, that we took an unselfish approach to go out into the world to make disciples. Or we took an unselfish approach, we put on his armor, his full armor, to fight the spiritual warfare that we need. Whether or not we are self-aware enough to follow his instructions, or he wants for us in Matthew 28, 18, 20, to go out and make disciples. Are any of you familiar with the, the, the word FOMO? It's a real thing. I'm sure our young adults know what FOMO means. Fear of missing out. It is just part of the latest edition of the popular English language dictionary. They're testing it. They, when, when, when you have to, they have to do something, or, or maybe they take their phone. You actually take the phone out. They, they know they're taking the phone out and tell us listen. Because they're going to, they, they fear they're going to miss out on something. They're on all these social media outlets. They're going to miss out on something. There's a generation of people who are constantly worried that they're going to miss out. With the accessibility of technology and social media technology, they trust their trust to stay connected at all times. But I ask you, at the end of their lives, at the end of anyone's life who has that FOMO, is it really going to matter how many likes, 
so you see, I'm sure they don't believe that on a dying bed, they wish their person had a son of Peter. What we really should be afraid of is missing out on the person in front of you, the person next to you, the person behind you. Missing out on seeing the gospel with you. When we pray for our final tablet, we're missing out on everything that's around us. We're missing out on the rest of the world. Missing out on the children growing up. Missing out on deep friendships. Full of men. You feel that you're going to miss out on something they tell you to miss out on what you're going to do. You have a life to live. Life will not be about how many lives you have. It will be about how much love you show. The only way people will know that we are followers of Christ is by how well we love. How well we love other people. They won't know that we're disciples by how many followers. They won't know how many disciples by how many likes. They won't know that we're disciples by how quickly we sign the emails or text. They won't know um, that we're disciples by how many Bible verses we have. How much scripture we can say. That won't matter. What will matter though is that they see that love of Christ being acted out on a regular basis. When you drive them down the highway and somebody cuts you off, do you keep you off or do you keep you too good? When someone sends that email that puts you in fear, do you respond back quickly or do you take a breath and think what you should do next? When you get involved with the lives of other people, what about that, that, uh, that person who walks in who doesn't know who Christ is? Walks in that door. What about the person that walks in and filled with filth and just, they just been through it and left right out the street? Or they come through uh, into the church, into uh, a store, and you're walking past them on the street. Do you show them love or do you look at them with disdain? When you get involved in the lives of other people, when you care about them right where they are, you open up your heart and you open up your life to them. Don't you want to see something in you that they really want, that they want to know more about, that they want to understand? Others won't know you by your life. They will know you by God's love, by Christ's love. When we were born, we looked like our parents. When we die, we look like our children and our children. What do you want to do? God wants us to have it all. We have two guarantees of human beings. One, that we're born. That we get to breathe. Two, our experience in life. As we go throughout our days, we have encouragement, we have challenges, we have well wishes. Three questions that we should be challenging and asking ourselves on a daily basis. Who am I in Christ Jesus? Or who am I really in Christ Jesus? What are the consequences for not having a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are they worth it? And then number three, if I die today, will I go to heaven? If I die this moment, if I walk over this place and die, will I go to heaven? He's saying you're often forgetful. That's not a guarantee. Even in the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to have an eternal life with God without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, each of us has a choice. 
be more self-aware and say, humility, for the life to honor God, but continue to be self-assessed and live a life for my home, live a life for my wife, for my husband, for my children, for my family, for fellows, live a life for the sinful world. What does that all mean? It means that you can, today, establish a relationship if you don't have one with Jesus Christ, or you can help someone else and talk to someone else who may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and help them share with them how they can establish that relationship. Or we can remove or recommit that relationship, that bridge, uh, that gap, bridge that gap that we need to with Jesus Christ so that we can become more self aware and follow through on God and make a disciple to serve the God's kingdom. There's a handout available that I encourage you to, to read. It's available at the uh, at one of the circular tables over the door. If you don't have it, uh, there's some more, uh, hopefully there's some more back there for you. Uh, by Susan Stone, uh, titled Lead a Life of Authenticity. Part of the uh, book, that, her first book uh, that she wrote, so it's, a, it's a great read. I pray uh, it is a blessing to you if you're able to read through it. And if you share with somebody, it's a blessing to them as well. Keep saying you have a choice. 